Hi, everybody. I'm Jesse. I'm glad you guys are in the front row. Um, yeah, I'm preaching tonight. Get that Bible off of here. Oh, my gosh. It was taking up the room. Um, it's written in my notes, all right? Just to be safe, okay? Um, so, yeah, uh, tonight I'm... Uh, what we're doing through Ephesians is we're taking all the passages and we're going through them twice. Uh, whether it's, you know, uh, two aspects or two perspectives of the same passage or uh, it's uh, redeveloping or uh, vaulting off of the, the one before. So that's what's happening tonight. I'm actually going to vault off of what uh, Craig talked about last week, um, which, if you remember, is called Why Mommy Why? Uh, which I thought was great. Craig cracks me up, man. I love that guy. Um, pray for those guys. Is it, were, do you, did you remember he was talking about his mom? Wasn't doing so good. He was going to go visit. And, it, and that night, she did uh, leave the world. So, uh, yeah, they're doing the memorial service, I think. I can't remember exactly what they're doing. But that's going on this week, so, you know, pray for them. Um. <laughs> So yeah, when I when I heard the the sermon last week, I was like, oh, I know what this is. I know what I'm going to talk about. Um, when was that? Six years ago. Six years ago, I was on sabbatical, and um, I I used my sabbatical to study rebellion, uh, and it was super interesting. Uh, and so that's what we are talking about tonight. I have so much to say about it. This is not going to be a short sermon. I'm sorry. Uh, it's also a big deal to me. Uh, so it might be less funny than normal. Uh, it's, it's kind of serious. It's kind of a big deal. It is, has definitely shaped my life at a very rootsy level. Um, so yeah, I think you'll like it. I think it's interesting, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, buckle your (laughs) seatbelts. All right. I'm going to pray though. Get. Uh, all right, Jesus, this, I love this. I think it's, it's my relationship. It's our relationship that is yours, God, and mine. You revealed yourself through rebellion to me. And I love that. Um, it's very merciful of you, and I love you for the mercy that you show me, for the grace that you show me the creativity that you allow me to wield. I love that. Thank you. I hope that you like this. I hope that this is useful for my friends, uh, for my brothers and sisters tonight. So yeah, uh, yeah. If I say something that's wrong, you know, you know, erase that. But if it's good, yeah, yeah. Stick it, stick it to our skulls pray that we remember and that we could live differently and more glorifying to you because of it. Um, yeah. All right. We love you a ton. Amen. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start out by telling you, yeah, a little bit of how I, uh, came to know Jesus. And that was, uh, via punk rock scene that I grew up in, uh, in South Dakota uh, I was mostly a nerd going through through uh, grade school, high school, stuff like that. And then uh, I was a weirdo. The, the, the best MO was just be ignored. 
You know, it's like, keep your head down and maybe they won't notice you. Um, and that worked great for a long time. And then at high school, yeah, it was probably a little bit more aggressive, not as <laughs> nice. But um, there's people that were mean to me. Uh, you know, there's, you know, the stereotypical people that might be. But then there's also, like, the Christians were actually kind of mean to me. I was really trying to follow all the rules, but if I followed all the rules, then there was more rules to follow, and then other people I, could, I should be supposed to be telling the rules to. Um, and then even my friends, were we were all these bitter nerds, and there wasn't many of us, and we were just mean to each other. <laughs> High school sucked. <laughs> but uh, I think it was, it was sophomore year, um, and, you know, some, some of the guys, you know, on my soccer team and things like that, um, you know, they punked out and, uh, and yeah, there was a couple of them in one of my classes and they were talking about music and they all of a sudden swiveled their head towards me and it's like, well, Jesse, what kind of music are you into? And I was like, oh crap. Cause it wasn't punk rock. <laughs> I liked, uh, I liked REM and 10,000 maniacs, kind of like, like this hippie stuff. And I was like, oh. but I told them the truth. I was like, okay, this is, this is what I like. And they're like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like. Wait, what? Is that what, really? I mean, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, because Jimmy likes that, and, and Mr. Sully likes that. And I was like, oh, oh. And it kind of opened my mind, and I started spending a lot of nights staring at the ceiling like, why are the punks nice? The punks care about me more than anybody. Affirmed me more than anybody. And, like, you know, long story short, like, we, I kind of fell in with the punks. And I, mean, I actually heard some, and I was like, oh, crap. I like it. I mean, growing up, you know, like, punks are not good people. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. Keep your head down. Stay away from those people. Uh, I grew up in a church, and the church, church's MO was, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, and don't hang out with those who do. Um, so, yeah, it was very much an ivory tower mentality, and the punks were not good. But, yeah, it was God's mercy that I fell in with the friends that I did. The, the, there's dialects of punk rockism, but uh, the ones that I happened to fall in with were extremely moral, very high-minded. Um, they wanted the world to be better. And they figured the world as it is is not helping itself. Um, yeah, we love people like you know Ian McKay, Greg Graffin, stuff like that. We like uh, Henry Rollins, and this is a, a quote that we liked a lot. If you hate your parents, the man or the establishment, don't show them up by getting wasted and wrapping your car around a tree. If you really want to rebel against your parents, outlearn them, outlive them, and know more than they do. We love that stuff. That's what we were about. Incidentally, you know, we all, a lot of us went to college. And I went to college. And it was my freshman year where I actually became a Christian. And the following summer, you know, we were all hanging out. We were going to shows again back in, this is South Dakota. Great place to rebel, by the way. Um, and we got together and was like, well, I became a Christian because it was, it was a little embarrassing, you know, because that was one of the institutions of the world that wasn't making the world better. But then I was like, wait, so did I. 
And so did Clay, and so did Josh. And they're like, ah. It's what we were all looking for was Jesus. We wanted the world better. And Jesus was doing it. So that's that's how it started for me. Um, who, here, who here likes to rebel? I kind of like to rebel. Yeah, it's kind of fun, right? Rebellion is fun. <laughs> Stop rebelling and affirm me, Dave. <laughs> Probably every podcast, I've got something of re, some retort to Dave. Um, how about uh, how about those who like goals? Who here likes goals and meeting goals? Yeah, I see you, Amanda. <laughs> goals, yay, yay. Well, I'm going to give you a three point sermon tonight. The first thing is the definition of Christian rebellion. Second thing is kind of the how you do it. Third is a warning about it. But let's start with the definition. Rebellion is exceptionally focused goal orientation. This is the thing that I came away with in my studies of rebellion. Rebellion can so often be just destructive and nihilistic for, you know, chaos's sake. But it can also be extremely constructive and forward-moving. One of my favorite things uh, that, that I read on, the, on my sabbatical was a comparison of the French Revolution and the American Revolution. Uh, the French Revolution, which happened afterwards, uh, the the people of of France were like this sucks we hate it and it was bad it was not good uh, it was just corruption everywhere and they're like nah hell no and you know they set fire to things and destroyed yeah they destroyed um, and they got done and they're like now what <laughs> and they're like oh crap and so they mash mashed this, this government in place that wasn't actually a lot better, and that d- crumbled after another 10 years. And then Napoleon went nuts. Like, it was a dark time for France. <laughs> but 20, uh, 15 years before this, the American Revolution happened. And, you know, say what you want. There, it's not to say that we were completely constructive about it. The Boston Tea Party? But they were goal-oriented. They knew what they wanted. They wanted representation. They wanted freedom and commerce. And they went after that. And the British got in their way. Incidentally, the, the American Revolution was good for Great Britain after a while. A little ugly for the first 10 years, 15 years. But after that, commerce actually exploded because of the trade that happened between the colonies and and Great Britain. The American Revolution was very constructive. They knew what they wanted. There's a better way to do this. We can help a lot of people. And they went for it. And people got in the way. And they kept going for it. They were (laughs) goal-oriented. And exceptionally focused about it. 
That is what we need to do in rebellion. We need to have our goal. We need to know what our focus is. And then don't swerve. Romans 12. Familiar verse. But oh my gosh. I, I guess I think this just seeds of, of rebellion. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your goal. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. <laughs> Don't conform. Yay! <laughs> um, but the goal is there. Worshiping God. Finding his will. Christians, brothers, sisters, that's your goal. Go with that. I was with uh, some friends this last month, and uh, they, they're, they're quote-unquote fans of, of Scum of the Earth. Um, I hadn't talked to them in a while. So I was telling them, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, this is happening. Um, and mid-conversation, uh, one of them says, you know, this language is much different than I've heard at Scum before. Scum is standing for something instead of standing against something. I've been around Scum for, what, 15 years? 15 years-ish? And I was back part of the other time where, yeah, we were just like, no, we're not that, we're not that, we're not that. We were French revolutionists, <laughs> revolutionaries. We just pointed at stuff and like, no. No, no. But now we've got a goal. We want redemption. This is, our, that's, this is our vision right here, our circles. We're an outpost on the edge of God's kingdom, finding redemption in Christ Jesus. That is our goal. There's something we want now. We're not just trying to differentiate ourselves all the time, we want to see God's redemption. It's his best trick. It's what we're living for. Transitioning a little bit in, into the how-to, there was there was also a time in in, the, in Scum's history where where I did rebel. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, I I had figured out what my calling was. I wanted to take people seriously. I wanted to take the people that no one else took seriously seriously. I wanted that. I wanted to make a church for people who couldn't go to church. And I was called to it. And I was asked to do stuff that wasn't exactly part of that. So do you think I rebelled? Well, yeah, I did. Uh, for, for <laughs> and destructively for a year or two. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But then eventually I figured out, I was like, okay, what's my goal? Taking people seriously, who no one else takes seriously. Can I do that? Yes, of course I can do that. 
Is scum getting in the way of that? No. And so I did what I was asked to do. Eventually, <laughs> it didn't start out so pretty. But eventually I understood. I was like, okay, I'm not prevented when I'm trying, from doing what I'm trying to do. Calm, calm down. Then, I hadn't exactly learned my lesson, but I got a little bit better. Uh, another thing was asked of me, like we had started a church uh, uh, down in Colorado Springs, and uh, Dave was in charge of that. And uh, for a while, they were, they were in need of teaching people. They were need, in need of uh, more staff down there. And so we were asked to go down and help him. Uh, and I did. I, I rebelled again. It's like, that. what am I trying to do? Well, going down to the springs is actually getting in the way of the things I'm trying to do. And so, yeah, I didn't help Dave very much. Dave was pissed for good reason. I didn't say anything to Dave. That was also an accident. That was something that I shouldn't have done. I should have said, this is my calling. Eventually we got there, and and Dave Dave actually agreed. He's like, yeah, that is your calling, and the springs is not your calling. But yeah, there was one time where I did rebel, and I think righteously. I was doing what God told me to do, and I was doing what I was supposed to do in Denver. And doing stuff in Colorado Springs was going to get in the way of that, so I didn't. Um, So, that's the, the second verse here of Romans 12. Actually, let's do the the last sentence. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This gets to the, to the middle. The how-to. How to rebel as a Christian. Number two of my three points. You need to learn the rules to know how to break them. I love this one. And this was what Craig was talking about last week. It was so awesome. Let's, uh, do I have it? Yes. Uh, okay, so this is Ephesians 4, the, which is actually my, 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 the passage I'm focusing on tonight. Should be focusing on tonight. Anyways. <laughs> um, it's this list of rules. This very, you know, do this and this and this and this. And Craig, as he does, masterfully went through it and was like, this is what is happening and by God's grace, we know the reason. This is his slide from last week. The rules on the left and the reasons on the right. Tell truth rather than lies because we are members of one body. Like he serves it up. Paul does. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor for we are members of one another. The four is because. So gracious of Paul, because he doesn't always give us reasons, but he did here. And he, yeah, he goes through here. Um, uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger go away. Uh, don't steal anymore. And he gives reasons. Ah, did he do it right? Yep. Deal with anger rather than sinning in it. So that the devil doesn't get a foothold. Work rather than stealing. In order to give to the poor. Say what builds up rather than what destroys. To benefit others and not grieve the spirit. 
kind and loving rather than fighting and evil because of God's forgiveness and Christ's love. You need to know the rules in order to know how to break them. You need to know why the rules are there. What results when you try to do the stuff God tells you to do? To know, like, when I obey, what happens? That's an awareness we have to have. We have to know what happens because we're, because we're righteous. Not because it's just fun to be righteous. Because I know those are, there's some of those people. I was one of those people as a little kid. I got better. <laughs> that is the Romans passage. The, the last sentence. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. To test these rules. Let's try this. And see what happens. I've told you guys a couple of clues in how to read your Bible. One of, the, one of those clues is, what does God care about in this passage? What do I know about God because of this? What's his personality like? The one I'm adding to tonight is what commandments are in here that I can try? What am I commanded here to do and see what happens? It's a big deal of why I became a Christian in, in, in my freshman year of college. I came across some of the gospel stuff. It was like, love your enemies. Fight evil with good. It's like, why didn't we talk about this in church? When somebody's a jerk to you, be cool back. I was like, let's try this. And good things happened. It was confounding to some people, which is kind of fun. <laughs> But the world was better when I tried this stuff. Where conflict should have happened, would have happened. There was actually a relationship gained instead of destroyed. I was like, these are results that I like. I figured out why. I knew what resulted from the commands, and then I knew what, like, we are going for this. We are going for renewed relationships. We are going for goodness filling the earth instead of evil. How do we get there? And there's a big, fat book that I threw on the couch <laughs> full of commandments how to do that. Um, I like to tell examples of, of a lot of you guys and uh, make fun of you. Uh, but tonight, I'm just going to do that to my own biological family. Um, Jessie, my wife, uh, she, went to, she went to our school. And, um, and yeah, she, you know, she'd get assignments. You know, she was a photographer. It's like, okay, you need to communicate this. These are the guidelines. <laughs> and I'm so proud of my wife. She would break them almost every time. <laughs> Sometimes you get good grades. Sometimes you got less good grades. <laughs> Dude, and you're, she had really cool uh, professors that knew what she was trying to do. She knew what the rules were. She knew why they were there. And she's like, I'm going to bend these to get the same result, but better. 
She knew what the rules were and what they were trying to accomplish. And she said, I'm going to do, I'm going to get your result, but I'm not going to do it the way you told me to. <laughs> also, Viva, my daughter, she's, she's one of those people. She's very much my daughter that loved rules. I loved rules when I was a kid and, and Viva likes rules. She likes to know what's going on. Um, <laughs> She will enforce them on anybody she can. Um, at ballet, you know she's a dancer, and uh, it seemed like she was doing pretty good to Jess and I. But you know, with Jess and I were like, okay, maybe we're just the proud, overproud parents, and we just think she's better than she actually is. And so we talked to some of her instructors, and like, okay, is it is it us or is she okay? Is she pretty good at this? And they said, well, yeah, she's pretty good at this. When it comes to students, she's exactly what we're looking for. We're trying to find dancers that follow the rules, that do what we ask them to do. And then after that, go nuts. They are looking for girls who follow the rules, but then... That's it. They go creative after that. Also in my footsteps, which I'm proud to say, Viva loves music. She understands music. I made a playlist and put the headphones on my, my wife's belly when, when, <laughs> when Viva was uh, in utero. Um, and now she loves music, and she feels the music. You watch her dance. You guys have seen her dance through worship. She feels what the music is doing. She communicates that with her with her movements. She knows the result she's trying to get. You need to know how the rules and what they do in order to break them. And this is a tall order. Uh, I think we can keep going here to my next First Corinthians ten. Yes. All thing, uh, this is First Corinthians ten twenty three. Uh, all things are lawful. Um, very much the, the original Greek is is synonymous with the word uh, permissible. Permissible is actually a, a better word. Uh, all things are permissible. All things, but not all things are profitable. All things are permissible, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Paul, in a few places, here in 1 Corinthians 10, Romans uh, 14, he says, you can, everything's okay. When it comes to the law and rules, don't worry about the rules. You just need to ask, what is profitable here? What edifies here? What is good in the situation you're in? And go to it. What is your goal? Be single-mindedly focused on that goal. Going on, uh, Skipping a few verses, but going on to verse 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is your goal, brothers and sisters. 
Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, so that they may be saved. Does that talk about Christian rebellion? Oh my gosh, it does. It says the law doesn't matter. The rules don't matter anymore. What matters is God's glory and loving whoever happens to be in front of you. Get after it. Don't trip your brother up, but glorify God. Um, Let's see. I should glance at my notes every once in a while. Um, Oh, I'm doing good. (laughs) Um, One thing that I am not saying is go for God's glory, and then if you, you know, God's glory or loving people or loving God, if you got those goals and you're not succeeding, then read the Bible. I'm not saying that. Start with the Bible. (laughs) Read the rules. You need to figure this stuff out. You need to know more than everybody. Like that Henry Rollins quote. Rule at the Bible. Know it good. Why the rules are there. Right before this chapter, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 9 is all about discipline. It's like, I want a goal and I am going to try like hell to get to it. So a runner doesn't race aimless aimlessly he knows where his goal is and he goes for it he disciplines himself to get there to get to the quote-unquote rebellion if that's fun for you you need to know the rules you need to know that bible better than anybody um this gets to my third point don't cause a sister or brother to stumble This is something that we, as a church, suck at. We love to have our freedoms. We love not being told what to do. We love trying stuff. We like saying, my way is a really good way. And we don't care what happens to the people around us. And that is bad. That is rough. This is a major warning. This is, for a lot of us, myself included, we need to be careful with this. Romans 14, another one of the quote-unquote gray areas of that Paul addresses. Romans 14, verse 13, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean of itself. Again, rules aren't a big deal right here. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by, eat, by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. 
Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is a good passage for us, scum. Yeah, we are affirmed in our freedoms. Nothing is unclean by itself. But if it's unclean to somebody, then it's unclean. You need to back down. Yeah, I'll get back to that. Um, I will make an, an example out of this, and it is something that, uh, that scum does often. It is, uh, we have a history with it, and that's profanity. Um, in, the, in the Ephesians passage, let's go back to that. Whoops. Um, verse 29, is it? Yeah, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. So that'll give grace to those who hear. No unwholesome word. Craig defined that for us last week. It's actually, uh, the word is used six times in in scripture and five of the other times are in reference to fruit. It's fruit that is rotting. It's fruit that is decaying and getting worse. It is becoming less useful as a fruit. Putting that on a word, it's a word that is decaying, that is getting less useful as a word. It doesn't mean specifically profanity. Because there's profanity in Scripture. I've been told that there isn't, but... Like reading, I mean, from the Greek studies I've done, like there is profanity in Scripture. There are words in Scripture that the translators have sanitized. But if you said it back then in that context, you would have had a, you know, backhand from your mom. Philippians 3, I can't remember the verse. Philippians 3 is talking about. Um, his works is like my works, the, the right things that I do have become shit. They were shit. That's what he says. What is valuable to him in that passage is grace. Another, um, another profane thing is first uh, Corinthians four thirteen. Which is our name, actually. We've become the scum of the earth. Scum was not a Sunday school word. It's not a word that you could have said on TV back then. And I guess even now, like, what is it, Scotland? You're not supposed to say that word. So, yeah, we're even cooler over there. (laughs) Um, So there's times there, profanity is a tool. And I've said this before, there are tools in the toolbox of life that are sharp. Sex, aggression, profanity. There's some tools you just got to be careful with. You don't hand those over to the kids real quick. It's like, dude, you can't play with this, with this one yet. In fact, you don't ever play with it. This is a tool that does something. 
Profanity is a strong language. And yes, people misuse it all the time because, yes, you know, everybody, one of the common arguments against profanity is like, oh, people just use that when they don't know what to say. And there's a lot of people that do it that way. They use it all the time and it's like, oh, well, it doesn't mean anything more. You got to swear like an old guy. Because those guys don't swear a lot, but when they do, you're like, okay, Grandpa's serious. Take note of that. And there are profane things in Scripture. Like, us without the presence of God, us without His love in our life, is a profane situation. If there's a time to say we're fucked, that's it. To be separated from God, that is a profane, bad, unholy situation. But there's, there's lines. There's some things that I never say. I don't say, I don't ask God to damn things. Because that's serious. I think, I think Craig actually did a sermon on this like a, a couple of years ago. That's one thing. Don't mess with. If you, if you, are you saying that? If you want God to damn something, that is Bad. I don't want I don't wish that on anything anybody and we're told and this is this is an example of rebellion like yes I am going for effective communication and profanity might work here so I'm going to say Jesus Christ you got to do this well you got to have God's name or God's face in your mind when you say his name that you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. That means you got to think about that name when you use it. Thousands of years ago, when somebody would write down the name of God, that parchment, that paper, would never be thrown away because God's name was on it. We throw tons of paper away. I mean, there's some cultural differences. But the God's name means something. So if you have a name that you use for God, whenever you say it, you've got to be thinking about him. To use it worthlessly, oh, don't do it. That's a line that I don't cross. So I will go at effective communication. There was one time where, where that... Uh, Mike was dealing with a, a friend of ours, David, super sweet guy, like super caring, really empathetic, would not get a job to save his life. And, you know, <laughs> Mike is like, dude, you got to get a job. You got to get a job. You got to get a job. And he's like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And then one day, Mike is like, David, get a fucking job. And he's like, oh. And he filled out some applications that day. <laughs> That was fruitful. Uh, second part of 29. It gave grace to David. It edified, it edified him according to the need of the moment. And you can't say it on TV. There's, like, there's a ton of stuff that you can say on TV 
that would be so much more offensive. I could offend all of you with stuff that is TV-friendly. This is a context scum. Like, honestly, profanity is not a big deal here. So we fit into the second to last phrase of 29. Uh, good for edification according to the need of the moment. And, and, and Craig was talking about that. This is a place that it's not as big of a deal. There are places that it is a big deal. South Dakota? Yeah, don't swear it in South Dakota. Jess and I lost some supporters because we swore <laughs> in South Dakota. Um, <laughs> if I was going to preach a sermon there, no, I'm not going to use any uh, uh, sketchy language. It's not edifying. It trips them up. It doesn't help anything. It just swallows up the truth that I'm trying to convey. What is my goal? Edification. Giving grace in the moment. So if I'm going for that, I'm going to use whatever tools I got. And profanity might be one of them. If I use it too much, then, yeah, it gets dulled. Um, let's go back to... Uh, the the don't trip up your brother and sister stuff because that is really important. There's one thing that that Dave spoke about a while ago. Uh, I think it was in it was in the Ephesians stuff. There's this, this gray scale. Imagine a gray scale. One side being pure white. This side being pure black, perfectly dark. And all of us start in the dark. All of us start not knowing the presence and the love of Christ and all that he has done for us. But something comes into our life, just a, a glimmer, the flicker of something, and our, the black becomes a tiny bit less black. Like, what, what was that? There's a flash somewhere. You start following that, and you're like, oh, there's another flash. Oh, there's more. And then it gets... Thing, your life goes into a more gray state, and you're like, that more light comes into your life. You're like, hmm, interesting. And eventually we get to a point where you're like, I, it's Jesus, and he's sweet. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to follow him around. I'm going to hang out with him all the freaking time. And we get to a point where we're on the grayscale where it's light. Light is in our lives. And there's still more whiteness to get. You can get whiter. It's like you don't just stop sinning or stop allowing dark things into your life once once Jesus comes in on this plane anyways, speaking of earth. And so there's more white. My shoulder sucks. Um, and so there's more white to get. And we go for that. We're trying for holiness. We are trying to be perfect as God is perfect. We're commanded to do that very thing. Here at SCUM, we get to that white part. We get to that part where we know Jesus, and then we actually will go back into the gray and look for people in the dark. It's like, "Ah!" we will be that flicker. We will be the light that points people at Jesus. It's a great way of doing things. But we'll participate in some gray areas in order to find those people that God loves. 
We want to find redemption. And sometimes redemption happens in dark places. So we'll go there. The problem is, if we start hanging out in the gray too much and stop people who have not gotten to the white. This is complicated. Do you see what I'm saying? There's people on their way to the white side still, and we meet them here, and then we don't get them to the white part. We just all hang out in the gray longer by doing various things, by drinking with an alcoholic, by swearing in South Dakota. There are things that don't edify, that actually will prevent people from finding Jesus because of the freedoms that we exercise. Because we love our freedoms here. We can't do that. My brothers and sisters, this is such a bad, terrible thing. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone whom, for whom Christ died. If you, if somebody like, if it trips up my brother Kenton for me to eat meat, my vegan brother Kenton, then oh my gosh, like I am not gonna do it around him, because he's gonna. Why would I do that to somebody that God has died for? Guys, I want this sermon to be. Two hours longer. It should be a series. Yeah, Dave, can we do a a rebellion series? I'm going to try and land the plane. We like to rebel. And sure, it's not, we could do worse. But you've got to have your goal in mind. Let's not be French revolutionaries. Let's be American revolutionaries. Not, Not Tea Party political, whatever. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. Let's be constructive in our rebellion. Let's find what is good and go there unapologetically. We're cynical. We point out stuff that's wrong, and that's okay, but we still have to make things right. We can't be a church that's against everything. We have to be a church that's for Jesus. One of my, I, I'm not super into blogs, but um, one of my favorite bloggers, she was, she was off duty, she was writing a book. Uh, but she came back online and, 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 oh man, she described our church. It's all about cynics. You, uh, her name is Jamie Wright, the very worst missionary. So look her up. She's, she's the one that is, I believe, coined the term douche canoe, which, uh, which got to be a favorite around here for a while. Um, she is hilarious and she is real and she loves Jesus. But I'm going to get to a quote of hers, uh, in, a, in one of her recent blogs, our approval, and she's talking as a cynic, as a cynic herself, our approval, uh, approval of all things Christian can't be bought with vague over-spiritualization or authoritarian proclamation. We require more. We ask hard questions and demand real answers, and it's not because we're just a bunch of jerks. 
get off on tearing down other people's ideology. Sometimes it's actually because we love God and we love people. And even though we're kind of mortified by churchy bullshit, we love the church. That's why we stick around. We love God. We love people. That's why we'll stick with things. We'll say, yep, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. But we better be doing what is right as we point those things out. All right? I know you're a bunch of rebels, and I love you for it. But let's rebel right. Let's rebel good. Let's make it better. Um, let's do a traditional thing. (laughs) I don't like traditional things. But God tells us to do traditional things. He was hanging out with his buddies last night on earth. He said, this is something I want you to do all the time. This is a tradition I want you to make. Eat this bread. And remember that I got broke for you. I died so that you might live. When you eat this bread, remember that. When you drink this cup, this is the blood that spilled out of me so that you all might be family, so that you all might be cleaned and become brothers and sisters in the new covenant that I'm making for you now. We're going to do communion here. And the way we do it, um, yeah, you break off a piece of bread or there's gluten-free things. Um, you dip it. And you can do it at, at your leisure. You can do it right then. You can, you can take it right then. or you can. I always like to go to the window and look outside. It's like, all right, God, who else is in the family that isn't here yet? Who needs this bread? Who needs this, this wine? And I always look out a window when I do it. Do it however you need to do it to remember what Jesus is doing in your life. So, uh, we got our, we got folks? Servant? Jess? Yeah, they're coming? Here they come. Okay. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to a long sermon.